Thanks for tuning in to the final week of the Kings and Queens series here at City Church. A Q&A with Jim and Carmen Simpson hosted by our worship leader, Dylan Puckett. We are honored and blessed that you chose to join us for our online Sunday experience. Our intent is to share God's word and reach the online viewers as well as our local community and church family. If you live in the greater Savannah area and do not have a church home, we would love for you to visit our campus at 1624 East 38th Street, Savannah, Georgia. Yeah, all right, what's going on everybody? Uh, this is our first ever live City Church Q&A live podcast. So, uh, oh, that's nice, that's nice. Uh, yeah, so today we've uh, got none other than the uh, Honorable Right Reverend uh, Pastor Jim Simpson. Quinn. Oh. <laughs> and um, Father Simpson and uh, his wife Carmen. <laughs> And, uh, and then we've got Quinn producing and then uh, myself. So uh, you sent, you had cues. We've got A's. So you can check us out afterwards. Uh, this will be on YouTube. Uh, it'll be on our Facebook. It should be on podcast apps. You can check it out if you have any more questions or want to listen to it again. So uh, without further ado, I guess it's time to get started. You want to uh, introduce the man behind the curtain? The wizard? man behind uh, Quinjamin Harris. We have Quentin. 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 That's his favorite. No, don't. So uh, yeah, Quinn is our. <laughs> uh, Quinn's going to be producing today. So uh, if we something comes to mind, uh, we can't remember the article. He will fact check us. And I'm just going to Google. Up. That's it. Yes. <laughs> you can probably do the same. Thing. So part of the uh, part of the uh, I guess the. Uh, appeal to doing it this way was that we felt like that, first of all, this is a format that if you're watching or listening to podcasts currently, this is a format you're probably already, probably already familiar with mm -hmm. versus what we feel like is a lot of times with standard Q and A's, at least in the church setting, uh, they tend to be like a question followed by more of like a mini sermon. Uh, which is, it's okay at times, uh, but what we wanted was something that felt maybe a little bit more uh, casual, and yeah. so that's what we're going for. Spot yeah. on. Yeah. And uh, since we're talking about casual, we'll kick it off with a easy question. This was one that came in that seems the verdict is still out, and um, so I, I guess, how, where do babies come from? It's <laughs> a good place to start. <laughs> Do you know, Jim? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure on the, uh, the data points, what the statistics are, but I, I, I think I've heard at, at least 90% of babies, maybe 95% uh, at least come from a womb, uh, which only uh, mothers have uh, are sure. equipped with. Uh, Quinn, can you? Uh, Don't look at me. No, <laughs> no. I, can you fact check that? I mean, what what percentage of babies? I think it's one hundred. I think it's one hundred percent. So, but what's the deal? We we were actually talking about this some yesterday. The the verdict still isn't out, depending on who you ask. But what's the deal with? We were talking about like the stork bringing to anybody. I don't know if that's yeah. There's there's yeah. There's no storks. Or it's it's not like umbrellas like in the Grinch where no. they. A hard wind blows. We, and we didn't experience that. It 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 <laughs> it required um, 
Okay, is there another question? A man and a woman. <laughs> well, let's, uh, then I guess to, to hop, we can go straight from that. When? Can I tell you, it's not boring. Oh, that's all right. So, let's, <laughs> so, next question. so I guess so. Let's just dive right in with, the, with this. Then uh, I mean, if we're going from that, let's. Uh, so let's, this is what Carmen does. Like when it gets awkward in the house, she's I'll like, either pinch let's, his leg. If let's, you see me pinch his leg. All right, let's and talk about sex. When do you on. talk to uh, your kids about sex? <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> we went straight. Or how down. do you? Yeah. I mean, so there's. I mean, there has to be a difference. I mean, if they're asking about uh, where do babies come from, you obviously don't want to just tell them. Maybe just. I mean, you don't. I, I mean, I don't think that, like, I don't know, like, Ezra necessarily needs to, to know that. I mean, so how do you, when do you talk about... <laughs> are you are you asking questions or answering them? I don't know. I mean, so, like, when, when I mean, I don't know, like, when do you, like, how, how do you handle that? What do you do? I well, mean, I, I mentioned this in the series when we uh, started Kings and Queens uh, that uh, Ezra actually, uh, the week before Kings and Queens, asked the question... <laughs> So we were riding down the road, and actually we were parking at Home Depot, and he was like, you know. But I think that goes along with the nature of children. Like, they ask a ton of questions, and mm-hmm. so there's this natural curiosity. And so um, we decided long ago that we would create an atmosphere in our house where it's okay to ask questions. And the answers are either, you don't want to know that right now, or will answer truthfully. And so we actually had a child who we said, you don't want to, I don't remember what the question was, but you don't want to know this right now. And they pushed and pushed and Jim said, okay, I'm going to tell you. And then upon the answer, they were like, why did you tell me that? And we were like, we told you, you don't want to know right now. And so it's kind so of been like tes- the theme. His of- testimony within the home has empowered a lot of uh, the other children to stop asking when we say yeah. you don't want to know. And then, so, and then we'll say there is a time to know that, or we'll say... Um, so I'll say yeah. this. We, we, there has not been a birds and the bees talk in our home. Uh, Ever? It, no, because, because you, cannot, uh, you cannot answer that question in its entirety in one conversation when the child asks. And, and this is the problem that, I, you know, even for myself, I got into is we had, I had one conversation with my dad riding home from my grandmother's house, it was really odd. My sister and I had spent the night, and then my mom and dad show up in two cars. It's like, that's not normal. And they were like, we're gonna ride in separate cars. We need to talk to each of you. And, uh, you know, my dad proceeded to tell me things that uh, have forever uh, scarred me. Sorry, <laughs> dad. Um, and embarrassed me, because I repeated some of those things oh, and uh, at school. And that's <laughs> it was bad. And because uh, it was, uh, my dad went for more of like a, like, uh, what do you call it when you're like kind of, this is kind of what it's like, uh, not exactly Ana- what it's analogy, like, maybe? an analogy. I don't, I don't and know. it oh, involved, uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah, we can move on. So, so, but what, what Carmen and I have realized is that it's not a, it's not a uh, conversation that takes place that equips them. Uh, instead, it's, it's a series of conversations. Yeah, it's a lot of conversations. And so I, I would think that our kids would one day when people are talking about this idea of the conversation that they would go, you know what? It really was something that was kind of trickle fed to us as our maturity matched the you know, conversation. We got more information, but it is not something and we shy away from. So it would be different depending on just... Every, almost basically every child is what you're saying even. Definitely. Yeah. When Ezra asked, I mean, he got, uh, I did not say, ask me that again in a few years. I started with the, 
you know, that there are uh, several ways that it can take place, but there, that there is a right way and a best way. And we believe that wholeheartedly. And the best way is a mom and a dad. And they, that mom and dad are committed to each other and they are uh, in love and married. And, you know, that was the initial part of the conversation. I will also tell you, I, I don't find it's my responsibility to teach my children what culture says sex is. You know, I because I don't agree with culture's way, and so when culture's like, you know, you got to teach them all the different ways and blah. That's, that's why. Why would why would I do that? Like, why would I, uh, I'll you know, tell my kids that you know, hey, there's great ways for you to destroy your life. Uh, let's sit here and have some conversations around it. You know, I think there's also different levels to the conversation. There's the um, you know, just even as a student knowing like anatomy. There's also as a believer knowing what scripture says, and then there's also just on an emotional healthy level, knowing um, what the what the spiritual ties are, you know, that are involved right. and everything. So there's there's different levels to the conversation too. So uh, so with me, I similarly just had a a conversation, which is something that I just sort of assumed just happens. So to hear that it's a series of conversations is is just a different perspective for me. So I guess um, as someone. Uh, unmarried, doesn't have kids, who's maybe, I mean, like I've heard a lot about what parenting is like. What are some things maybe that you heard about parenting that on this side of, I mean, from 17 years into it, you've just found out, like, oh, like that's not true, or sort of like parenting myths, if you will. I'll start from the very beginning with the birth of my first child. I had while I was pregnant, I had moms just come up to me and be like, it's going to be so beautiful. And they would be like, I cried when I saw my baby. It was like this, like they made it sound like it was this magical moment. And my first labor with Isaac, um, well, I didn't have a second labor, just to clarify that. Like my labor with my first child. It would have been nine some, it would have been yeah. some time later. Yeah, he was, he was nine pounds, nine ounces, 23 inches long. He was a, he was a big kid. And, oh. um, and I was in labor over 24 hours. Um, and I, I, I did not approach my options with um, child delivery. I did not fully know my options. Just a shout out to Marissa the doula. Um, she's very knowledgeable and she's awesome and amazing. Had I known her or someone like her in my life, I would have known my options. But anyway, so I, I went kind of through like um, what to do, like what to think instead of how to think. And um, anyway, all that to say, um, I was exhausted and frustrated with myself and not feeling the happy magical moment. And so literally like when he was born, the doctor or nurse, whoever went to hand it to me, I was like, you've got to let his dad hold him because I have no strength. I have to catch my breath. So like I was expecting magical moments right there at the very beginning that I did not encounter. And so I thought something was wrong with me. So that was definitely a myth. And I think that it can happen, that it can be well, magical for moms, but yeah. And um, I think that, uh, you know, magical uh, is in relation to other moments, right? And, you know, while, while, you know, we're thankful for the moments that our children came into the world, they have by no means been the best moments with our kids. Uh, we've had moments that, you know, if I'm sitting here and giving you a list of the most incredible moments that we've had, you know, that experience isn't on there, you know, for, mm -hmm. for me anyway. Yeah, and then... Um, I, I've yeah. got one. You know, I, I think uh, one of the things for me trying to be a believer uh, 
and also you know living in the world we live in is I think that uh, I really struggled at first with this idea that I, I think it's uh, like this it's like this uh, battle that's taking place between uh, the church and culture and that is you need to be a parent no you've got to be their friend no you've got to be a parent no you've got to be a friend and we see this uh, portrayed in uh, you know so many different areas I, I go back to that scene in Mean Girls uh, where uh, Amy Poehler is which is a uh, reference of parenting yeah yeah they're they're she's a great parent um, uh, maybe in real life, I'm just saying in the movie, yeah, no uh, she's, you know, trying to drink with her teenagers and, you know, they're portraying this comical idea that, you know, it's better for, you know, for if my children are going to drink, it's better for them they to drink at me. home yeah. and do it with me. And, and I've, I've heard people say that and uh, that's just, that's just lazy parenting is what we've realized. That's just a myth. Like if you think like, well, if my kids are gonna mess with these things, I'd rather them do it. It's like train your kids to do what's right, you know, fight for them to do what's right. Don't create opportunities for compromise. And what, what I've realized is that this myth of like trying to be their friend and trying, you know, or trying to be their parent, uh, it's not that at all. It's that, you know, uh, I am their friend and I am their parent. At both at the same time and at, you know what's helped me with that too is, 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 is aging my mom and my dad you know there are moments where we have conversations that feel very peer to peer but I'm going to tell you when I'm walking through a season of life where I'm experiencing hurt uh, there's just nothing like calling mom up and crying on the phone and I can be 40 years old and do that and she'll, she'll, she'll vouch for that because she's always mom like she's always a parent, he, he's always dad. Now, yeah, we can go and have dinner and have a good time and, and, and have that friend peer, but at the end of the day, they're still parents. And me experiencing that with my mom and dad, I think has helped me with, you know, to be able to comfortably walk in the capacities of, you know, being able to play video games and shoot Nerf guns with the boys and, go on walks, you know, uh, at the beach with my daughter or, you know, cook a meal, but also to be able to parent when uh, something's out of line or when they're hurting. Right on. So uh, with those sort of debunking these myths, out of, have there been any, I don't know, uh, sermons or books or articles or any any type of resource that you found along the way that you have found helpful that opened your mind or like taught you a new perspective or anything like that? In my early years of being a mom, um, I discovered a proverb that I have hung on to since then. And there are other resources, we'll get to them, but, yeah. but my I wrap my mind around this, that in Proverbs it says that folly is bound in the heart, in the heart of a child but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. And so We've that word- We've that many times. <laughs> that word folly means right literally <laughs> um, instances of foolishness. If you've worked in kids ministry or you've been around kids, you know there are instances of foolishness, right? Oh, for sure. And, but the, the anecdote to it, like the balance to it is that rod of discipline. And there's different forms of discipline. Sometimes it just takes a conversation. Sometimes there's more than that it takes. So do you spank you? Do you spank you? I don't remember which Proverbs that is. Will you look it up? We quote it Proverbs. all the time. Yeah. Uh, folly the is bound in the heart of a child. 
Yeah, so Jim, the question is, do we spank do, our kids? Do you spank your okay, kids? Okay, so let me, let me back up from that, because this <laughs> is um, uh, when we're talking about resources. Proverbs 22.15. 22.15. So if you want to write that down, 22.15. Yeah. So let me tell you something. Every child is different. Every parent is different. Every marriage is different. So you, you, this is why I am so reluctant to do parenting right. uh, uh, series and stuff is because if you just go home and go, well, this is what Jim does, this is what Carmen does, th th these recipes don't yeah. always work. It's not a one-size-fits-all It's not a one-size-fits-all. So, so this is why when it comes to resources, I personally struggle with what I call Christian living books. Uh, I don't find a lot of value in a book written by a believer on how to parent uh, because I, my kids are, are different. I, and I know that I'm not trying to shame people who write them. I just don't personally find a lot of value in them. So coming back to this idea of like scripture, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. When our kids do something foolish, Carmen and I remind ourselves, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Our children will do foolish things. Uh, the rod, yes. Uh, we discipline our children, and we, as barbaric as our culture will say that it is, we have uh, spanked uh, our children before. And I'd like uh, to explain that process. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and this is the way that I was raised. Um, this is what I have found success in, um, is when a child gets in trouble in our home, one of our children, um, we will send them to their room, and then we'll, we'll calm down out of the emotion that it and invokes in us, whether it's anger, frustration, whatever, will calm down. So in a moment separated from the emotion, we'll go in and say, do you understand why you're in trouble? They have to re repeat back to us why they're in trouble. And we have the conversation until they land on it, whether they didn't get it or whether they don't want to admit it, we'll have the conversation until they land on the confession of what they did. And then from that point, it's the consequence is this. The consequence to your choice right now is a spanking because choices have consequences. That's the main point we want them to walk away with. That when you grow up and you break the law, like it, you don't just walk away. There are consequences for that. Um, and so then after, after the spanking, then um, we calm down and then we have another follow-up conversation. Do you understand why you got a spanking? Do mom and dad want to spank you? No, you know, like there are choices, uh, there are consequences to your choices. So it's, it's a process, it's a conversation, it's working through the emotion of it. And, um, and it actually, as they grow, there are less and less and less and less. There, there, needed, so. Honestly, there are, there have been. It's so few and far in between. They really have been. Uh, that is not like our go-to. And I think that probably the issue that a lot of people have with spanking is, that uh, is the unchecked uh, version of it that oh, so, many, yeah. I mean, so many have experienced. Yeah. We, my, we don't. My, my experience is a little different, not that, I mean, my parents never like hurt me, but right. yeah. there right. was that type of conversation. That's a very different process than. We don't use any type of tool or anything, paddle or whatever, because, because and the thought is you can't feel how hard you hit, but when you spank it hurts your hand, like you can feel how hard, it, how hard you hit with your hand. Um, but I mean, growing up in, in South Alabama, South Georgia, like yeah. the switch is a thing. I've never oh, had a switch or old, yeah. So my, my uh, grandmother yep. let me, she empowered me to go <laughs> to get, go my get own one, switch. dude. Yeah. So, dude, I know all. Yeah. Yeah. I know that about was that. not a normal part of, uh, yeah. uh go, that. go get a switch. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then this was too small. That's right. I had that happen <laughs> once. 
I learned that real quick. Oh, uh, actually, I did. Go I, get another one. My mom did get a switch one time from a weeping willow tree, willow tree and it was so flimsy it tickled. So I was little, and we were outside, and she was, like, trying to catch me and switch me, and I was laughing and running from her, which did not go well for me. Oh, so, 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 yeah. so I, I can tell you uh, the primary uh, form of discipline in our home, yes, consequences are, are always a part of it, but the primary form is always a logic-based conversation with every single one of our children. Really? Uh, logic and problem solving and reasoning are the most critical parts of how we raise our kids. And uh, we want to help them uh, break through uh, circular reasoning uh, and you know straw man arguments. We want them to pull through and discover truth. And so, Every one of them from very, very young uh, is, we really push to, is, was that the best decision? And then why do you feel like maybe it was or it wasn't? And helping them to be able to discover what is right and wrong. They need to be able to figure that out in, their, in, their, in the way that they reason. Because if they don't, what happens is, is they act impulsively and then they, once they've acted impulsively, they might know, oh man, that was wrong, so now I'm gonna get in trouble. That births uh, deceit, which means that now, because I act impulsively, because I haven't been trained to think before I act, I only recognize when I fail, I need to keep this a secret because I don't want to get in trouble. We, to this point, again, reluctancy in some of the things we say, but to this point, we do not wrestle with lying in the home. Our kids can do something wrong, and they'll just go, yeah, I did that. Uh, I'll use an example. Ezra uh, uh, will sometimes sneak and go get candy, right? <laughs> and we'll be like, uh, where did all of these empty candy wrappers come from? And Ezra will go, I got them. The boy's and a just, gremlin. It was me. <laughs> and, and we'll say, you know, well, who told you you could? And he'll think, he'll go, nobody. God did. Yeah. Yeah. And we just, but we don't <laughs> get, we don't did. get, we don't get any of that. And we champion that. Let me tell you though, we champion, we recognize when, when hard honesty is brought forth, we champion it and tell them, let me tell you, first of all, I, I could not be more proud of the fact that you're standing here owning your mistake. Yeah. You know, now the consequences for what you did, uh, those consequences would be much dire had you lied to us, you know, but yeah. you sat here and told the truth. So, so getting to some resources, uh, probably non-traditional in the sense of what you probably would hear a lot of people say. Because you were saying logic and yeah. reason, is there any? So, so uh, one of the books that we uh, have used, and this comes from their school curriculum, is called The Fallacy Detective. Carmel, I'll let you talk yeah. a little bit about it. I actually don't know who the author is, uh, Quinn, if you want to pull that up, The Fallacy Detective. And it goes through, each chapter is, this is used for, um, seventh grade level learning in our home for um, logic. And the, the whole idea is at that age, middle schoolers, they're going to argue. Like naturally, you did it with your parents, your kids are gonna do it with you. Um, so teach them how to argue well. And so um, the fallacy detective, each, uh, each chapter unpacks of a fallacy in logic. So for example, like the straw man fallacy, um, and then it gives examples, and it's a fun little like exercise. And then at the end of that chapter, there are actually workbook questions that you can talk through with your child. And there's several chapters; they're very short. Like we read it in like 10 minutes a, a chapter. Um, 
And then it translates into when there are arguments coming up in the home, we're detecting the, the fallacy <laughs> and the logic. We're oh, wow. um, unpacking how, you know, the conversation, what's the meat of the conversation. And sometimes, um, sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's, you know, it just is what it is. Um, but yeah, yeah the fallacy don't, don't think that we don't have those moments where it's like, okay, they're not getting it. So you're going to do this because dad said, or you're going to do yeah. this because mom said. It still happens. Yeah. But our first goal is to get them to identify and why the process is right. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, I'm trying to think of like all ages of the kids. Like for our little kids, um, we, I mean, we did like Veggie Tales. I'll tell you, I trained myself how to get ready in the length of a Veggie Tale movie. Like when it was time <laughs> to get ready for church, I'm like, stick the Veggie Tale on. Zoom through, okay, Vegetals is over, it's time to go. So, oh, this scene, I've got five. Yeah, so like a Christian resources, right now media is a great one. And um, just for being here in City Church, we can make that available to you. What is right now media? So right now media is an online platform, very much like Netflix and Hulu. And the church pays a monthly subscription that covers everybody that uh, is at City Church. And so uh, those of you who are guests today, uh, when you fill out that digital connect card, we send you the link to get it. It doesn't cost you a penny. They don't get really? a credit card on file or anything. You literally will enter in an email address and a password that you create, and you'll have access to tons of teaching, curriculum. There's uh, don't need loads. need to shoot me an email. Yeah. It, yeah, if you're, it, if you're it, a you home person at City still. Church, it's, it's for you to be sure to, to find that out. Yeah, but so, it's everything from preschool and nursery all the way through, like, adult uh like Bible studies and whatever, you know, and it's all there on the media. So those are the types of things that when it's bedtime and the kids want to watch something going to sleep, uh, we'll have this idea of a little give and take. Uh, and we'll say, well, you know, you can watch something in these categories. So, you know, we might not let them fall asleep watching Avatar. Uh, uh, we, we watch that as a family. Uh, but you know, but at, uh, you know, at time to go to sleep, we'll give them some, some choices. And one of the things that we've discovered in that is that our kids actually discover teachers that they like, and, uh, they actually will go to bed listening to, uh, sermon series or, uh, uh, you know, like community group curriculum from teachers that they're connecting with. So, and uh, then, um, so that's, you know, that's available for the little kids too. Um, and then, uh, for high school right now, we're going through a book called do hard things. And I got the authors wrong yesterday. Quinn, what is it? Do hard things. It's twin brothers that wrote the book while at 18 years of age. It's Brett and Alex Harris, Brett and Alex Harris. I was going to say Seth. I, I, there's not a Seth. It's Brett and Alex. Harris, and um, it is a teenage rebellion against low expectations, and that's the premise of the book. It's amazing. It's challenging me as an adult, you know, um, just in mindset and perspective of life. Um, yeah, just and to kind of step up. So you, you mentioned uh, fallacy detective in the curriculum. So, I mean, most of us don't. So y'all homeschool. We homeschool three of our four kids mm -hmm. right now. So um, yeah. one of the questions that came in was, I guess, how did you arrive at that decision? Why, why did you choose to homeschool if I as can, opposed to? Well, when, when we were school. leaving the hospital with Isaac um, and I was really overwhelmed and not feeling the magic, um, Jim turned She me did want Popeye's chicken, though. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot it's about that. Good, bro. Um, so he brought me Popeye's chicken and was like, hey, babe, we need a homeschool. <laughs> um, but he, he literally, as we were leaving the hospital parking lot, was like, hey, you should homeschool our kids. And I was like, you are kidding. 
kidding me? Like, I just don't even know what's happening right now. I don't right remember now. it like in that, the, but yeah. in the park. Like, and, um, you're going home? And you said we were that. going home, like, with a newborn. Sounds like an immature yeah. dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's just see how life goes, because I'm not, I, my strength is we'll not see. in organizing and, like, planning, and in different ways it is. But, like, I have friends who are strong in that. Yeah, so our, our issue is not with the idea of our kids being educated publicly. That was never really the, the issue. Carmen and I both taught abstinence in the public schools uh, from a grant uh, that was uh, provided by uh, Bill Clinton. Uh, I think he no felt joke. it was important to teach uh, abstinence to somebody. To fifth, sixth, and seventh graders. Yeah. No, no judgments here. Uh, it, it paid our way through school. And uh, so we just, we were on the front lines of hearing things kids were saying at sixth and seventh grade about sex and uh, some of the stories uh, we, we, I personally really wrestled with that. I'll tell you, um, so in high school, I, I was actually a pretty good kid in the sense of uh, I, I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs. I, you know, uh, Carmen's the only person I've ever intimately been with and uh, I remember sitting in the cafeteria and some of the guys at the table uh, talking about uh, a party and hoping to get a girl drunk enough that they could you know rape her and uh, it's just that I just I've, I felt so angry at that uh, that uh, I tried to so. I tried to tell the girl and she told me to mind my own business. And uh, I don't know, I just, I just uh, maybe, uh, maybe it's uh, just you know, me again. I, I, this isn't to shame anybody who's doing things differently. I just uh, personally just have always felt like, you know, I, I want my kids to, uh, to experience life a little bit different than some of those so, moments. And I think this comes back to like every person's different, every yeah. parent is different, every home and every marriage You've is different. You've all had different so, experiences. Yeah, we've all had different, different experiences. Reasons. And then, so if you fast forward from the time where Jim's like, you should homeschool our kids to um, when it was time for eyes. Now, all of our kids went to preschool. I think minus well, Ezra. Well, the but, first two, yeah. So, so he, he went to preschool and then it was time for him to start kindergarten. And we were youth pastors at the time. And so as youth pastors, our our life was pretty busy at night and um, we kind of like lived for the youth events and everything. And so as a home situation, I was going, I can either come home at seven o'clock every night and be putting our kids to bed and you can be doing your own thing in ministry or I can be side by side with you and we can just create our own um, home schedule. That was more of my heartbeat is like, I want to be side by side with him. So we created our own family atmosphere and calendar to where we could do life together and include our kids in that. So that, I see that as like the deciding factor of why I chose homeschool. Um, and then the, even like down to like the, the curriculum and everything that we chose, there's all like a story to that. But each year following that, we asked Isaac and we asked Caitlin as they grew, do you want us to put you in school and find a school for you or do you want to homeschool? So it became their decision and they every year were like, we want to homeschool. We want to stay home. We want to do this. We want to live this life. And so um, it's just something that I kind of see like unfolded kind of from that decision. So, so uh, one of the questions that came in, I think would be interesting. It would be a little different uh, considering that they're homeschooled. Do you have any advice or any insight 
uh, about uh, children who experience, whether it be in preschool or later with uh, dealing with bullying? Yeah, I mean, I dealt with a lot of bullying uh, as a kid. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty open and honest about that. Uh, I, uh, I wore glasses. Uh, I didn't have the, the hottest fashion. Uh, uh, Stepped your I, game up since then, boy. I have worked on have that those a little shoes. bit. I, yeah, I buy bro. the shoes today. I wasn't allowed to as a child. I'm living vicariously. Uh, yeah, so uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I routinely was called names. Uh, you know, you, you see in a movie, it's funny because we'll watch a movie with the kids and I'll see a kid being picked on and I'll just be like, oh my gosh, it's the same things they used to say to me. Like somebody's writing that out of experience. Right. And I was, I was bullied pretty hardcore. I got beat up a few times as a kid by bullies. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that the most important thing is my mom and dad helped me see who I was uh, uh, helped me identify who I really was, you know, and when I, I don't want to say through the lens of somebody else, I was able to identify who I was, my potential looking through my own lens. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't, uh, while it hurt, you know, when people would say those things, it didn't necessarily, uh, uh, become, uh, you know, so overwhelming to me because my mom and dad did a really good job of, you know, countering that, uh, all the way through. Uh, that a little bit changed when I got into high school. Uh, I was always, uh, I was always somebody who loved Jesus. So uh, that really became about the only thing I was made fun of in high school for. Uh, some of the kids would call me Bible thumper because I always had a Bible with me. And uh, I was dating Carmen and my response would be, my girlfriend's prettier than yours. And <laughs> Sick it was burned, always true, and uh, I, it, Jesus helped me not to have to settle, you know, and uh, tired, that, that's what I would say, and so I would just, I would come back. Are you saying if a kid back. is being bullied, get a pretty girlfriend? Is that what you're saying? Ask yeah. Jesus no. for a pretty girlfriend. So, I, I would say. <laughs> she was not a nerd. Uh, now, now, it's a little bit different, because now we champion the things that I was into as a kid. You know, I was into comic books, and that wasn't cool, and you know, I did art, and it's that really, wasn't yeah, cool. That's come and, around. and now it's like, you know, it's like, oh man, everybody, you know, that's the cool thing. You know what I'm saying? Wearing odd clothing that your mom bought for you is cool now. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's okay, mom. I I still love you. Uh, you know. So. I I think too, like um, understanding that situation as a parent, like if your child is, child is being bullied. Um, understand that as a guardian you are the first level of advocacy for your child and so finding out the situation be proactive to understand what all the elements are also really understand that it's a reflection of who that child that is doing the bullying like there's something going on in that kid which probably stems from something going on in their home you know like there's just um but I would say like as the as a parent of a child who's being bullied like really step up and know that you're the first level of advocacy and then just assess the situation and from there reach out and get resources from there so it's not like taking them to the park like show me who it is and you're gonna find my dad did do that once no, that's I, um, I do not now that. in our in our situation with zoe he has some special needs and um he he's just strong as a person and in his perspective of himself and he's extroverted 
he has not ever noticed if a child was being mean to him necessarily, but as he grew and we'd be at the park, like kids are just honest. So kids would walk straight up to us and be like, what's wrong with him? You know, like just super blunt or um, what happened to him? Or I don't want him to touch me. I'll get what he has or something. And so like hearing all those statements, I would just watch him kind of like not even know that they're saying that. But um, if someone would say, what's wrong with your legs? I taught him to answer for himself. And I said, all you have to do is look at them in the face and say, my brain learns differently than yours. Do you want to play? You know? And so that's what he would do. So he would answer their question and then go on with it from there. Um, You can tell a lot too, though, when a child at a park says something like that and they're in front of their mom and dad and the mom and dad either go, eh, what are you going to do? They're kids. Or they just, you know, sit there quietly. You can tell a lot about the uh, insufficiencies they're dealing with themselves. Sure. Uh, Because I'm going to tell you what, one of my kids said something like that and we'd be having a come to Jesus meeting because that's not how we've raised them to talk to people. For like if something's happening at an organization like school or a sports event or whatever, um, definitely uh, connect with the leadership that's there and find out what the values of that place are, who's in charge, who's catching what's going on. Um, We've had to walk through some of that um, in, in a certain situation. So, so let me go back to the idea of logic and reasoning. This is where uh, sometimes uh, that, that can have a, a, a swing that can sometimes feel a little bit uh, negative, and that is that uh, my kids are very quick-witted, uh, and so, you know... They'll uh, punch you with words. W- yeah, so, you know, if somebody's <laughs> at the park and says something like that, it's not uncommon for one of their siblings to very quickly dismantle that person's entire identity in a single <laughs> statement. And, and, he and, re- he and, and it's, and it's, they speak with truth, in you know, they just, they just, they just are able to say, you know, this one thing that's true. And, and, and what we've had to do is we, we have to constantly pull that back and we have to constantly say, hey, what you said might have been truth was it was it was it necessary yeah uh, everything we say should be true but not everything that's true needs to be said. said and a lot of times uh and that'll come all the way across to even you know uh in our home our, our children will will and is literally it- watch youtube videos of individuals having meltdowns over political ideologies just so that they can laugh at them and call out the fallacy of their thinking. And I'll walk in and they'll be sitting at the table playing a video on loop of somebody who's, you know, melting down over, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody in here's feelings, but over something political or cultural. And they can just, because of that, they can pull the fallacy right out and say, you know, man, this person does not understand reality. You know, I read that that is a tendency of Gen Z in general. So uh, the children in our church right now are what we call Gen Z. I'd encourage you to go look that up. Uh, You know, there uh, are a lot of uh, resources out there on that. And I find that a lot of the way that our children are acting uh, lines up with that mentality. So Uh, how old are are they? How high does that go? So do you you know? So it's the... uh, breakdown I think is uh, right now we have 19 and younger are Gen Z. Uh, last year was the first year, I think this is right, that we had mil- the last 
age group. No, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. last year was the first year that we had Gen Zers, quote unquote, in the workplace. So having been out of high school, we have our first year of Gen Z in the workplace. And it's also the first time in, in history that we've had four generations working simultaneously because we've seen an increase in the um, span of life. And so you have baby boomers, uh, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z all working together. And what's interesting is when you look at really the, their ideologies, the way they view the world, uh, and you pair that up into the workplace, it has some interesting uh, uh, side effects, you know, some commentary in itself. But, so we have to pull back and say, hey, what you've said might be true, but it doesn't necessarily need to be said. And this, this is actually something I would say that we commonly come back to is, you know, I know what you said is true, but is it, is it necessary to be said? Uh, yeah, we definitely the, want them to think critically and be able to state their opinion and state, state their view, but without, um, but, but not from a place of arrogance. So, so I'll, I'll kind of end this idea with this. Uh, a lot of times people will ask the question, you know, what do you do uh, when your children are struggling with their faith? Uh, we, the whole reason that, the, the whole vision for City Church that God gave us was to establish a place where truth is, is, is very openly and honestly said from the platform, but also that to have an environment that children want to be at. We want to have an environment in our, in our children's ministries and in our sanctuary right here that kids want to be in. So, uh, you know, I don't know what every parent's experience is. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback on that, but we are really trying to break this uh, uh, gap that happens when a child graduates from high school and then all of a sudden they're quote unquote supposed to go into big church and they're like, I don't care for what's happening in big church. And so that is why we do the lights and the music and things are louder. And it's because we want to make sure we're creating environments that engage our children. As we teach our children to be logical, as we teach them to be people who are problem solvers, what we believe, let me tell you, I, I believe Jesus is the way. Deep, deepest parts of who I am, Jesus is the way. He is the only way. And as, as critical as it might sound to people, uh, you know, oh man, you know, you, you're slamming other faiths. I have a responsibility to help my children see that Jesus is the way. Because of that, I don't, we don't wrestle with, in our home thus far, we haven't wrestled with a lot of this faith, like, well, you know, what if God's not real? Our children uh, have the ability to use logic and reason to test and see. And on our own, I'll just brag on Isaac for a moment. He just came off of a 30-day fast that he just came in and said, I'm gonna do a 30-day fast, I wanna hear from God. And we were like, okay. And so like we had to uh, work with him for that period of time to make sure that the things he was fasting were, you know, the other things were made available for him. And, and, and he regularly will do that, not because we're sitting here going, we're having a fast and we're dragging him in, it's that he's learning how to test and see. And so we haven't experienced a lot of that. 
Uh, and so the environments that we have here are meant to be those that are engaging, that are life-giving, life-building. It's why we, you know, I tell people all the time that if I weren't the pastor, I'd still go to city church because I actually enjoy, I, there's, not that there's not room to grow, but I really love this place and I love the people who are here. And my kids, my kids beg to come to church on Sunday. They can't wait. Well, I think that's all the time that we have. I think we've got a lot. Okay. So uh, thank you, Jim and Carmen, for uh, being willing to just sit down and have the conversation. So uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you all.